Blog Talk Radio. All right. Lardy, Miss Clardy. Lardy, Miss Clardy. Lardy, Miss Clardy. Keep going in it. Know what they're doing up there. I'm on. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show for August 22nd, 2009. I am your host, Lardy Miss Clardy, and your co-host is Brother Blondie. Brother Blondie, say something. Uh, good evening, everybody. Oh, so now you done heard from him. We are coming at you live from Columbus, Ohio, as we do every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here with fresh news on victimization and fraud. We have a great show for you this evening, but before we get started, I want to put down some rules here because they're going to be important. Well, just this one rule anyway. Um, when you call in, and you want to speak or you want to give your comments, please turn down your please turn down your uh, your phones or your mobile phone. And that's all I gotta say about that one. Now we have a great show for you on a continuation on human trafficking. And the guest on our show that will be talking on this on this subject is Marlene Carson, the founder of Rahab's Hideaway. Now, if you have questions or comments, stand up, speak up, and speak out. You can call in at 347-884-8684. If you want to email Brother Blondie or myself, you can email us at wclardy, that is W-C-L-A-R-D-Y, at familiesandvictimsoffraud.com, or you can email Brother Blondie, of course, at hotmail.com. We will be right back. Why? 
You see, I'm six foot one and them tongues are fun. And I guess you a D. You see, I got more clothes than Muhammad Ali. And I guess no issues. I got bodyguards. I got two big cars. The definitely ain't the way. I got a Lincoln Continental and a some new Cadillac. So after school, I take a dip in the pool, which is really on the wall. I got a color TV so I can see the next play basketball. Him and talking about checkbooks, but it costs more money than a sucker could ever spend. But I wouldn't give a sucker or a punk from the rock and down a dime till I made it again. Everybody go, oh, hell, oh, hell, what you gonna do today? Cause I'm gonna get a fly girl, I'm gonna get some strength to drive off to the death OJ. Well, it's on you now, and no, 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 the beat don't stop until the break is done. I said a M-A-F-A-T-E-R, a G with a double E. I said I go by the unforgettable name of the man they call a Master G. Well, my name is known all over the world. All the Fox ladies and the pretty girls. I'm going down in history as the baddest rapper that ever could be. Now I'm feeling the highs and you're feeling the lows. The beat starts kicking into your toes. You start popping your fingers and stopping your feet and moving your body while you're sitting in your seat. Then damn, he starts doing the freak. I said, damn, I'm right out of your feet. Then you throw your hands high in the air. You're rocking to the rhythm, you can dare it. Air. You're rocking to the beat without a care. Who's the short shot MCs for the affair? Now I'm not as tall as the rest of the gang, but I rap to the beat just the same. I got a little face and a pair of eyes. All I hear is you, baby, just get the time. I sing it on and on and on and on and on. The beat don't stop until the break is on. I sing it on and on and on and on and on like a high for the pop, the pop, the pop, the pop, the pop, the pop, the pop. You don't dare stop or come alive, y'all. Give me what you got. I guess by now you can take a hunch and find that I am the best. Of the bunch, but that's okay. I still keep it strong, cause all I'm here to do is kill them with it. You're behind, sing it on and, and on and on and on. The beat don't stop until the break of dawn. Sing it on and, and on and on and on and on. Right, rock, y'all. Until it's on the floor. I'm gonna freak you here, I'm gonna freak you there. I'm gonna move you out of this atmosphere. Cause I'm one of a kind and I'll shock your mind. I put the two big tickets in your behind. I say the one, two, three, four, come on, girl. I get on the floor. I put my mind, y'all. Give me what you got, cause I'm guaranteed you. Of 
uh, human trafficking. And I want to apologize uh, about last week because we were to have Marlene Carson, who is the founder of Rahab Hideaway, and, you know, she fell sick. You know, and we were able to, in a way, get in contact with her. But um, let's hope that uh, she will be able to be on the show for today. But this is a there is a continuation on this subject. And so, if you have anything that you want to say about it, stand up, speak up, and speak out about it right here at three four seven eight eight four eight six eight four. And um, I'll say that again, 8347-884-8684. And Brother Blondie, bring us in and let us know what's going on with that music and then tell us what's on the top of the hour of any information that you may have. Well, you know, Lardy, Miss Clardy, all year long we've been celebrating the 30th anniversary of rap music and what better way to do that with the group that started it all, Master G, Wonder Mike, and Big Bang Hank, also known as the Sugar Hill Gang, with uh, Rapper's uh, Delight, the first ever big rap hit, which was uh, came out 30 years ago. And by the way, Lardy Miss Clardy, I know I'm unable to do this on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show, but that song still remains today the longest rap song in music history. That jam is 15 minutes long. Long, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But uh, uh, before we uh, get to the topic of human trafficking, I got some very disturbing news coming from Berlin, where the World uh, Track and Field Championships are held. And, And I got this from the Columbus Dispatch, but you can catch this story on every single uh, uh, media news website. It contains South African 18-year-old uh, track star Caster Semenya. Of, uh, she, she's from South Africa. She's 18 years old. Uh, you know she uh, took the gold. Uh, you, you know, easily won the 800 meter in the world championship uh, but her gold medal, uh, Lardy Miss Clardy, is overshadowed by the fact that there are a lot of people don't believe that she's actually a woman. So she's now being gender tested. Wow. Now that is an interesting thing. I guess, well, we got to find, stay tuned into that, huh? Yeah, and, and, and you know, according to South African uh, team manager, uh, forgive me if I don't pronounce this right, Philway. Melangini uh, Tulsing will not confirm or deny that uh, Semenya was having such a test. We intercast her as a woman, and we want to keep it that way. Uh, you, you know, a lot of people don't like her muscular build, her deep voice. It seems to uh, uh, spark uh, speculation. Now, my uh, her parents, Lardy Miss Clardy, uh, got on TV. You know, they, they they say she's a woman. Now, my question to you is, Lardy Miss Clardy, you being a mother of five, wouldn't you, as a mother, know your own uh, children's gender? 
Well, I would say I would, but, you know, in this case, you know, we don't really know this young lady and it's being put out there, you know, for the possibilities and they need to check in on that. However, you know, whatever they got to do, if they find out that she is a female or woe unto them, that's all I got to say about that. I mean, but, you you, you know, if it if it turns out that she really is a woman, you, you know, uh, then then what? And, and and the problem that I have with, you know, gender testing, drug testing, uh, lie lie detector testing, uh, Lardy Miss Quarty, is that it's supposed to be 100% accurate when you fail, but when you pass it, something always seems to be wrong with it. Oh, that can't be true and blah, blah, blah. Well, let me set the record uh, straight here. If you're going to do any type of testing, if you're going to say it works when someone fails it, then say it works when someone passes it. And that's a little food for uh, thought for today from yours truly, Brother Blondie. Thank you, Brother Blondie. That was good good news right there. You know, what did you call it? You called it uh, breaking news? Yes, it's breaking news. Yeah, that's for very sure. breaking news. <laughs> but thank you very much for that news. Um, last week we were on the subject about human trafficking, and uh, I had read a article that came from the Columbus Dispatch where uh, Marlene Carson, she was um, interviewed by the Columbus Dispatch, and it was on a conference on human trafficking and how the horror of a teen slavery, not a foreign woe, but it's right here in Columbus, Ohio. Then we find out that it's not only just here in Columbus, Ohio, uh, human trafficking, but that it is in Toledo, Ohio as well. And, um, and we were talking about a young lady, which her name was Teresa Flores, who at the time uh, was one that was uh, talked on in this article, uh, how she had got involved in the human trafficking issue and where Marlene Carson herself was uh, also a victim to this as well at some point. And I wanted to get back on the subject because we were also talking about how um, children of this day and time, how, you know, they're rebellious. You know, we got laws that are totally, you know, making the the parents feel as though they cannot be parents anymore to their children or else they go to jail. And then we had, you know, a a uh, a caller that came on to this show to share even his comments to that subject. And I guess it is time to talk about this some more because according to another article that I have uh, seen here, um, and this also came from the Columbus Dispatch, where they said human trafficking often often below radar in Columbus. And I wanted to read a little bit of this uh, before we actually uh, have a caller to uh, give his comments or her comments on this. Um, it says here, uh, human trafficking cases in Columbus are rare, but when they occur, they aren't likely to be reported to law enforcement agencies. Out of five cases identified, 
in Columbus during that period, only one was referred to law enforcement. Researchers learned about the cases in interviews with social service agencies that deal with immigrant communities. And, and, and what's being said about this is those were among the findings of a study was by the nonprofit Rand Corp, who, whose researchers sought human uh, evidence of human trafficking or forced labor cases in Columbus and Toledo. And they are saying here in four of, five, four of the five labor trafficking cases, service providers indicate although they knew whom, whom law enforcement to contact about trafficking victims, they could not take the chance that the disclosure could lead to negative consequences for their clients. The researchers wrote this in their report and released last month. Language barriers and the fear of arrest and deportation were among the reasons that human trafficking cases go unreported, uh, the study have found. And then they go on to say here that um, under the Federal Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000, Human trafficking is defined as the use of force, fraud, or coercion to induce someone to perform labor or a commercial sex act. Any juvenile involved in performing commercial sex acts in which an adult profits also is defined as a human trafficking victim, even if no force or coercion is involved. And, you know, again, this is a very... Uh, uh, a special problem that's obviously been silenced. And, you know, I guess it's time to really just talk about uh, those things that are silent because as my MO goes, stand up, speak up, and speak out about it and give public awareness on the issue. And, you know, I feel as though going back to the conversation that I said earlier, you know, we have laws that now stop. Uh, you know, parents from being parents to their children, uh, which can become very, very uh, a scary situation because I had talked to someone that was on Twitter. Actually, I was on Twitter, and, you know, this gentleman that says, I have a kid, uh, he talked about that all uh, teens that are under 18 is considered human trafficking victims. And so now you're talking about from whatever age, probably the lowest is probably how old, Brother Blondie? What, how old is the lowest one? Ain't that around about 8, 12, somewhere around there? Uh, yes, uh, Lardy, Miss Clardy, the lowest is is about uh, 8 and uh, 12, and, and that's just U.S. Uh, uh, age when you – when you go into foreign Asian uh, countries, it's a lot younger than that. Right. And, 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 and now you're talking about right here in Columbus, Ohio, where we have, you know, uh, FCCS and all their laws, you know, well, what a parent can and cannot do, and it causes the children some, in some cases, I say in most cases, cause them to rebel and you know they and the parents feel like that they can't do anything to control their children which leads those particular kids to go out and and be a part of drugs and alcohol and get involved in even more dangerous uh situations and circumstances so you know i am going to uh 
you know, uh, say something to this particular caller that's calling in, and I'm going to call you by your last four digits of your of your phone number. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to have something to say. Caller eight five six eight, are you on the line to to talk? Yes, ma'am. I heard your call, so I called back. This is Leon out of Tuskegee. How are you doing today, you and the brother? Oh well, hello, Leon. It's, I'm happy to hear from you. Very happy right. to hear from you, and I'm glad that you did get my message. I did. Okay, and I was so overwhelmed with the with the information that you were giving. I had to call you back on the show because you had some very important um, um, things that you had to say that people really need to hear. And I wanted you to come in and and talk some more with us on this subject. And, of course, you know, what is the issue that you feel and think that um, that causes human trafficking to happen to teens and young girls? I say it has a lot to do with, you know, the laws that are infringing on the parents to really be able to um, – to to put a to put a stop to what their kids are doing so that they can protect them and in some cases and I said more cases uh, that these children become rebellious and get into you know all types of different um, things and end up you know on the slave trade. What do you say? Well, I say number one, you know, it's a bunch of dirty old men out here. Number one that. Uh, you know, have all of these deviant uh, desires, and um, they're a bunch of uh, sick people, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. Mm-hmm. And many of them are in powerful positions so that they can influence whether the laws are strict or whether they are not strict. And they go undetected for years in these positions. So a lot of loopholes are created whereby real justice cannot be revealed. Now, when you... Right, couple, I agree. When you couple... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just saying Okay, when you couple that reality with the influence of drugs uh, over around the world, number one, and especially in America, mm-hmm. and we understand how easy it is to lure children if they are in uh, poverty-stricken situations with mm-hmm. and gold and things and stuff, and then you only need to lure them there for a short while until you can get some drug introduced into their system right. to lose their control about what they will do and what they want to do and what their uh, desires are and what their desires are not. Because once you feed that one crack into them, you know, through a marijuana cigarette, uh, then mm-hmm. you tell them, oh, you know, you can smoke this marijuana, it's not going to bother you. Well, that myth is already out there, and they hear the adults and everybody else talking about, you can smoke marijuana, it's not going to get you hooked. But the sucker that's trying to hook you is lacing that marijuana with crack. So Absolutely. as you suck marijuana in, and when you suck that crack in, your system then becomes uh, commanded by the crack influence. So what used to get you a thrill on marijuana no longer satisfies you, so your body is now looking for 
they make a crave. And then okay. I crack and crack and crack and crack. So the person had you enslaved at that point. And another thing that these um, street people are using is intimidation. Now, a lot of right. people don't understand how impact and uh, intimidation is. But see, if you are isolated from all of your supporters and all of your safety nets and all of your kin, yeah. and a joker come in, put a pistol up your nose, and tell you that he's going to blow your brains out if you breathe, that's going to instill some very serious fear in the strongest among us. Yeah. Now, some people would say, okay, you go on and shoot because I'm not going to tolerate this and I'd rather be dead. Now, that person would have to find a different kind of thing on that if they wanted to preserve the property that they had uh, gained. But most people just don't have those kinds of guts. And a more serious kind of intimidation is if we get the girl and then we tell the girl, well, we're not worried about you. We won't harm you. But if you don't do what I tell you to do consistently, then I'm going to kill your mother. Well, the girl oh, now is already yeah. feeling guilty about being out there in the <laughs> yeah, place. And, and daddy and grandma and grandpa and everybody told her basically what was right and wrong. When they saw her going astray, they probably brought in other people to try and reinforce uh, and encourage her to straighten up and fly right, as my grandmama used to say. And she... The Uh, it's, it's very uh, terrible. It's uh, 
uh, her, her horrific for you know anyone that you you know forced to doing anything, whether it's uh, sexual, whether it's drugs, whether it's dancing. Uh, you, you you know it just it's bad enough, Lordy Miss Lordy, that uh, a lot of uh, youngsters in this world today have uh, low self-esteem, and, and, and you know a lot of predators, you know, they, they all take advantage of that uh, low low self-esteem. You, you know, they feel like, well, they'll give you the attention that uh, uh, no one else would give you. And it uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Lord and Miss Party, a lot of young people, uh, both men and women, would, would you know, wake up and, and you know, realize this is, this is not the uh, way to go. There is no retirement plan for this uh, for, uh, profession. Also, in human trafficking, even when you volunteer, uh, Lardy Miss Clardy, to uh, turn tricks or do porn or whatnot, age plays a, a huge part. Because when you're 22, 23 years old, they now think that you're uh, too old. So, and, and as long as they, you're you're young, you know, unfortunately, you're going to be a major target. Thank you, uh, Brother Blondie. Um, okay, now, a caller, eight five. Yes, ma'am. We got a loud okay. sound that cut me out. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, because for some odd reason, you know, you started getting fuzzy and different things, so we thought we were just going ahead and, until you got it together, and then, you know, we'll put you back on. Um, I want to say before we go to a break here, um, we're supposed to have the, the guest, uh, Marlene Carson, who is the founder of Rahab's Hideaway. And and last week, anyway, she was in the hospital. I knew something was wrong for the reason why she was not, you know, here uh, on the show. And it may be even so that she still doesn't feel good because um, she hasn't shown up yet. But we're going to continue the conversation, and we're going to continue it until I can get that lady to get on to this show, you know. And I know that she yeah, – excuse me? I say Okay. Yeah, until I get her on to the show. Um, she she was in the hospital, so, I do, you know, for now, you know, we are going to just continue to talk about it because, you know, my concern is about the children and, you know, and what's going on out here in the real world where, you know, they don't have any any real training because, you know, as I think, you know, that laws restrict, you know, the parents, you know, for especially those that do know what to do as far as good parenting, you know, that it affects those families not being able to um, to, to, to raise their children properly, and it gives ammo for those children that don't have problems like, uh, abuse and different things going on in the home, you know, that autonomy to go out and become, you know, um, rebellious and do what they want to do and fall prey to uh, things like this. So I wanted to, uh, you know, go go to a break, 
and we're going to return back to the subject. And since we have Mr. Leon from Tuskegee, I believe that's where he's from, Alabama, you know, we're all here having a conversation about this because this is a big issue that needs to be talked about and see what we can come up to help give a solution to that problem. And if there's anyone out there that's listening to the Lardy Miss Party blog talk radio show, call in and give us some solutions or even a comment on it at 347-884-8684, 347-884-8684. We will be right back.
All right, we are back right here on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show, and I am going to turn this over to Brother Blondie because he has a lot of questions to ask. Uh, the brother that is on the line talking with us about this subject and more, and um, and he has a comment uh, towards what uh, Leon was talking about. So, Brother Blondie, take it. Oh, well, Vinny. Before I get to Brother Leon, you just heard uh, a classic from Sugar Hill Gang featuring Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five with Showdown as we celebrate 30 years of rap music and what better way to do it than to start off with the Sugar Hill Gang. But, you know, my uh, question to uh, uh, you, uh, uh, Brother Leon, you know, for the last uh, five years, uh, Chris Hansen of uh, MSNBC.com. Uh, You've seen his uh, show, Dateline NBC, How to uh, Catch a Predator. Uh, right. You, you know, he catches, you know, predators in the act, you know, set them up with a, a decoy on online. And my question to you is, how big of a force, uh, in, in fact, you know, he's done, you know, his part, you know, as to uh, put an end to human trafficking. Uh, what do you think of uh, Chris Hansen? Do you believe that we need a show like Dateline NBC's How to Catch a uh, Predator, or are you one of those critics that feels, well, uh, this TV show's just uh, uh, setting up predators? No, sir, I think it's um, an excellent show, and I enjoy watching it because it amazes me how they had the guts and the gall to set up a proactive movement, is what I call it, to begin to take these people down. And, and that's the only way that you can do it because you can hear in those guys' testimonies, every time you ask them a question, they got some little penny and excuse. So that's what law enforcement runs up against if law enforcement is trying to do it uh, on their own. But then Chris Hansen can go do it with a lot of flexibility that law enforcement can't use because if law enforcement was trying to do it, law enforcement could be accused of entrapment. So that combination of media and law enforcement being outside to clean up after the setup is absolutely excellent. Now, where the community is missing out on it, the community is apparently just sitting up looking at it as entertainment instead of taking the results of that whole situation and formulating some kind of a model for educating the community on the real deal. And if they would do that then, uh, PTAs all around this country could be teaching parents Schools around this country could be using that data to teach children. And as a consequence, people could rise up against what is being revealed because they would know what it is. And see, right now, we are it's so ignorant to so many things, and what looks to be okay is not okay to uh, in a lot of cases. What looks to be entrapment is not entrapment in a lot of cases, but the old-fashioned antiquated laws 
allows entrapment to be squeezed out by a defense attorney. So it's just a reason in this country where we have to come to grips with we are a smart nation, but in so many different ways we are such a dumb people. We've been dumbed down to the point that so many things stand right before our face like a neon sign, and we don't know whether to like it or hate it. And, and, and you know, uh, on that note, uh, uh, Leon, you've, you, you, you know, again, you've uh, made very uh, strong points, uh, you, you know, to the uh, uh, Dateline uh, and, uh, NBC, uh, uh, you, you know, stories on, you know, how, how to catch a predator. Uh, in in terms of you you know the uh, predators that do uh, focus on human uh, uh, trafficking. Let me remind the audience. Uh, uh, you, you know, Lardy Miss Clardy gave the uh, statistics that human trafficking. You know, uh, nationwide, uh, and this is just in the U.S. Uh, uh, is a nine point five billion dollar a year business. Let me repeat that, uh, listeners. Nine point five billion. And that's that's number two uh be, be behind drugs. And, and, and you know, um get uh get, getting back to to you uh uh brother uh, Leon uh you, you you know human trafficking, prostitution, drugs you, you you know this type of problem is in all uh, fifty states. You uh, as as well as you you know uh, me and Lardy Miss Clardy's hometown, which is Columbus, Ohio, and and your hometown uh, Leon, which is uh, Tuskegee, Alabama. And and, and you know uh, uh, looking back at you know what we have uh, spoken about for the in in the last. Um, uh, couple weeks. Are you surprised, uh, Brother Leon, that, uh, and this is just my personal opinion, I just don't think that enough people has really given a damn. Uh, do you do you see what I uh, see, see here, uh, uh, Leon, and if you have a different opinion uh, to it, please voice it. On, on the human trafficking situation. Uh, uh, yes, in in uh, my my uh, institution uh, and all of that. Yeah, my well, my uh, what my what 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 the question I'm trying to get get at is I I I feel that enough people just haven't hasn't given a damn. Do you feel that enough people has given a damn on this uh, topic? Well, you know, I think we want. To know, and I think we want to act, but when we only know just little bitty small elements of it, we don't really all the time know how to act, and it's kind of among, uh, it's kind of common among us. Anything that we don't know, we just shy away from, or we claim we know it, and run away before somebody can ask us to, to confirm whether we know or not. It controls a lot of what happens in this nation. You know, like because we could be teaching the elements of criminal laws in the entire school system. We could have first 
kindergarten, first, second, and third graders learning the law and uh, from comic books, okay? We could have the, say, when you get, by the time you got up to sixth and seventh and eighth grade, you could be learning law from workbooks, social workbooks, and filling in by that time and writing your opinion and expressing and learning and comparing and analyzing the law and its effects. By the time we get to high school, we could have the law book just laid out on the desk, and we could be teaching high school students the elements of criminal and civil laws to the point that by the time a person graduates from high school, they could stand in a courtroom on a traffic ticket and defend themselves very logically and very uh, technically. But, you see, there's so much greed in this country until as long as the system can keep us dumbed down as a people, and as long as they can use that doctrine, ignorance of the law is no excuse, and as long as we have to keep running to lawyers and overpaying them for every little bitty little thing, they get richer, we get poorer, and we stay dumber, and they don't teach us even about our own cases that they are handling. You see, that creates a very serious, serious problem in this society. So, now, I'm what you, 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 can't, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I mean, because it's, 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 it's astounding to hear you speak like this. So I want to ask, what do you do? Are you an educator, a teacher, or something, you know, with kids uh, or, or somebody dealing, you know, with uh, 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 civil and criminal justice of some sort? Well, the first thing is I'm just a good human being. I was raised and in, 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 uh, brought up by my grandparents because my parents died early. And rather than use an excuse to cop out at but 10 and 11 that I wasn't going to do just because I didn't have, <clears throat> excuse me, just because I didn't have a mom and a daddy, my grandmother uh, and granddaddy took charge, and they taught me how to be a decent human being. But I went through all of those traumatic experiences that young boys go through and raised up in Sumter County, Alabama. I was a child um, who was told you couldn't be nothing. I wanted to be a Greyhound bus driver. They said you can't do that because white folks drive buses. I wanted to be a policeman. They said you can't do that because white folks are the policemen. And I told myself as a little boy, something's wrong with these people. Everybody's telling me what I can't do. I just but darn if I'm going to fall for that. But I, mm -hmm. I didn't realize until I was 20 years old that my grandmother in Alabama was trying to keep my little uppity butt alive because she knew that I could not be that uppity and survive in Alabama. So she kind of like kept a lid on me. But I chose the Air Force to bail up out of Alabama, and I am stopped running since. The Air Force that's right. The Air Force taught me how to be a man, taught me how to develop real serious character, and then when I started learning that man thing, started manning up, up popped Dr. Martin Luther King and Stoughton Silky Carmichael and all of these other, Fred Shelsworth and all these powerful black figures, messed around and showed me that there were super sharp, tough black men out there just like white men. 
Yeah, well, I went, I went beside myself then because I went so black I couldn't stand myself. But okay. then I discovered that to get where I was at about that time, some whites had intervened in my life, such as my tactical instructor in the United States Air Force, that mm-hmm. had a magnetic attraction with me that helped to man me up. So I couldn't throw him out as baby with the bathwater, so I had to incorporate that, that one white. And then when I started discovering, reading about Frederick Douglass having a white woman of her plantation husband, you know, helping him to learn how to read, it registered to me that all whites wasn't bad. So then I started developing a balance. So I I moved to Dayton, Ohio, after I got out of the service, right up there uh, a few miles from you. And uh, I decided then that I wanted to be the police. They had Mm -hmm. always told me I could be the police, so I'm going to show them I can be the police if I want to be the police. Well, that was fine, except I had been in the civil rights movement about five years before I went to be the police, and I had been arrested in demonstrations and that kind of thing. So the white folks were determined that I wasn't going to be no police. But the black community in Dayton at that point was determined, one, to, one number one, that they needed somebody inside the police department who they could depend on to tell them the truth. And number two, they, they needed somebody who could stand up and take care of business. So they okay. recruited me go into the police department. We fought my way into the police department, and it was a real fight. But then I stayed in Dayton Police Department for 13 years, and I decided I didn't want to be the police no more. I wanted to be the police chief because I was taking orders from sergeants and lieutenants with the equivalents of a mentality of cockroaches, and they didn't know what they was doing, didn't care nothing about black people. Some of them didn't care nothing about white folks, nobody else, because a lot of them was on the police department for the wrong reason. So the mm-hmm. first time I got a chance in 1977 and got me a police chief job in Jefferson Township, Ohio, I bailed mm-hmm. out. And then the next 14 years that I spent in law enforcement before retirement was as police chiefs. With the best police chief job I had being at Central State University in Wilberforce, Ohio. I was there for about four years, and I'm telling you, that's the best job ever had because I was a man in charge and I had the cream of the crop from all over this nation and some other nations and I was able to determine what law enforcement was going to be, recruit my people, hire my people, train my people and take care of the cream of the crop black youngins from around this world and I took that as serious as a heart attack wrapped in a stroke. So uh, when I retired... (laughs) When I was retired, I moved back to, I was recruited back into Tuskegee as police chief, and uh, I was too honorable, I was too straight, I was just too everything for Tuskegee, because corruption here was so thick you could cut it with a knife, and so uh, it wasn't long before they pulled the rug from under me when I shut down their uh, major crack houses too fast, and they said it couldn't Mm -hmm. be done. But the mm-hmm. thing I did, I didn't criminalize nobody else. I just had, I call a nine-hour retreat with all the police officers, janitors, secretary, clerks, everybody. And I gave them a, sur- a survey, and it had 36 questions on it. And two of the questions was, where are the crack houses located in Tuskegee? And number two, which is the biggest? 
So when I got their 36 sur uh, surveys, I just <laughs> compiled all of that information, and then I had crack houses chronologically laid out. And so I set out with the good police officers and the corrupt police officers and the rest of them, and I told them we was going to shut down the top ten, you know, and then maybe the others would get the message. They say, you can't do that. I said, oh, yes, we can do that. Yeah, but these people got rights, too, some of the corrupt police officers were saying. I said, yeah, I know what their rights are. <laughs> but citizens of this town, senior citizens who have paid their dues have a right to be able to sit on their porches, too, in the summertime and enjoy. And ain't no low-pant, dragon dude got no right to intimidate Miss Sarah so she's too afraid to sit on her porch. So we're going to clear it up. And so I developed uh, what America does. I watched the government real carefully, you know, and what they do. And they said, wait, wait, wait a minute, Leon, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. Now, we're going to have to come back to that because we're going okay. to go on ahead and go to a break, but we're going to come back and finish that up. Now I understand why you are so... Um, so knowledgeable because you have been through a lot of things and also had a lot of opportunities that led you into areas where you're able to have much information to talk on various subjects and that we I appreciate you for it and so does Brother Blondie definitely you know I, I think I want to have you back on the show just for you to talk about some of the things that we go through, you know, as black people and those that go through as white people too. But nevertheless, as to see how 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 life is in general when you're trying to become something that other people don't want you to become. That is an interesting piece, and we'll have that on another topic when we have you back on the show. But since we have to be ready for this uh, break. We're going to come back to you, so stay tuned with us, okay? Yes, ma'am. All right. We'll be right back right here on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show. <laughs> Thank you. 
Girl, I wanna fit you a honey If you wanna be my baby, you got to give me money Turned around, didn't mean no harm I knocked you out with my biggest charm I said, no, no, baby, it's not like that See, I'm all about making that cold, cold cat Started driving around, started messing with her head The next thing you know, she wanted to go to But to turn me on, you got to be the best Cause I'm the master chief I don't take no math like TNT I'm dynamite, you see, I rock your body to the early light And when you wake up in the morning, you'll see I'm gone Check it out, girl, you all all alone, cause you just been hit by the Capricorn King. I rocked you too, I rocked you me, I rocked you in and I rocked you out. You made me feel what I made you show. Oh, dang, 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 dang,
you know, we're dealing with a lot of police misconduct right here in Columbus, Ohio, too, and I'm sure that's probably all over the place. And, of course, um, these areas need to be dealt with perhaps for the reason why some things, you know, people get away with, you know, for, 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 for one reason or another. Um, but I do want to share something with you on the human trafficking issue, you know, that there is a special task force that's done an, that are doing an investigation and that, that steers child and adult victims uh, away, you know, well, you know, that steers child and adult victims into prostitution um, and forced labor. Now, there's they have found, in other words, you know, there are, you know, uh, organizations or whatever that um, – uh, or or they have uh, in, they are in an investigation to um, to try to steer you know those type of people from uh, doing this kind of mess to our children. Okay, you know as well there as adult victims are involved. Also, Ted Strickland, the governor here, has signed a law to increase sentences for crimes if human trafficking is involved, which that's good. And we also are finding out that there is about 17,500 trafficking victims that come through Ohio every year, okay, even though that it said it's below the radar in Columbus, Ohio. You know, still, you know, um, I, I don't know why it's um, below the radar, but obviously there is some force out there that is, uh, trying to stop or help to stop the problem. And there is another one that I want to speak on because uh, under the Trafficking in Persons Report of 2009, which this is a, uh, this is a little formatted uh, a book of information on PDF, uh, where, Hillary, where Secretary Hillary Clinton uh, had something to say about this. And she has said the ninth annual trafficking in persons report sheds light on the faces of modern-day slavery and on new facets of this global problem. Now, we're saying that we're talking about what's happening in Columbus, Ohio, or in Ohio, but then we see it that it's on a global level. And it's also said that the human trafficking phenomenon affects virtually every country, including the United States. In acknowledging America's own struggle with modern-day slavery and slavery-related practices, she is saying they offer partnership. She says uh, they call on every government to join them in working to build consensus and leverage resources to eliminate all forms of human trafficking. And you see that, you know, we have our government that's being involved in on this as well. And we want to take hats off to Secretary Hillary Clinton for undertaking something like this. And I want to get back to Brother Blondie to uh, let him speak on a question that he had to ask this caller. And, um, and Brother Blondie, I'll hand it over to you. And who is that playing again right there? On the music again. Well, uh, once again, Lardy Miss Quarty celebrating 30 years of rap music. Those are once again the sounds of the Sugar Hill Gang, and that was the Eighth Wonder. And uh, getting back to Brother Leon from Tuskegee, uh, Alabama, since you are a part of law enforcement, let me give you this 
new law that's uh, uh, about to benefit human trafficking in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, according to uh, CNN.com, it is now legal. Get this, Lordy Miss Quarty, get this, Brother Leon. It is legal for a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old to now strip in any strip club in the state of uh, Rhode Island. And which my question to you, Brother Leon, what do you think about that law, and do you think they should definitely change it? Well, yes, sir. I think America should be up in arms, and I think the America should uh, converge on Rhode Island and ask them, like a country boy would, is you crazy? And um, <laughs> when they get whatever answer they get from the Rhode Island legislature, then there ought to be a concerted effort to point at them, focus on them, and show them as being part of the problem. You see, because when you start turning your children out that early, you are talking about what you talk, mentioned, alluded to earlier, just not giving a damn, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but what's happening, see, that is, it is difficult for us to understand is that somebody in the legislature is satisfying the pervert uh, needs of a lot of those dirty old men up there who want to take advantage of those young people, you see. And we don't have to go far to clearly understand that it exists. All we have to do is look over the Catholic Church to see where those Catholic priests were preying upon little boys and taking advantage of, of them, you see. So we need, we need an overhaul in America. And the so-called silent majority in America who still have morals and who still care must rise up. You know, they're rising up against President Obama in these town hall meetings. They need to be rising up to their daughters, you know, because it's just a matter of time before it drifts right from Rhode Island, right on out through other states and other cities, and it will become old news after a while. So the media will hit it for a minute, quit it, then it will be just like it's not happening, and then before we look around, all of our teenage girls can go cock their legs up and shake their behind in front of anybody they want to and be taken advantage of accordingly. Oh, uh, 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 one, more, uh, one more quick uh, question. I also want to add this to uh, Rhode Island, which is now legal for uh, for for underage girls to uh, strip as long as they don't strip after 11:30. If they do it after 11:30 at night, then it's Ill, uh, illegal. Uh, Rhode Island's next door neighbor, De- Delaware. Both of them two states are the smallest states in in the U.S. Delaware earlier this year just passed uh, a bill to legalize uh, sports gambling. And we all know gambling and uh, 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 human trafficking, pro- prostitution, all that plays a uh, play, plays a huge role. Now, now I've been playing you, you know, clean hip hop uh, uh, t- t- tonight, uh, Leon. But the last last uh, uh, Saturday, be, be, before you uh, uh, called in, 
I I played a up to date uh, hip hop song, very uh, con- uh, controversial. It's by Young Money featuring Drake and uh, Lil Wayne, and the name of the song is called called Every Girl. And for uh, for, for the mature audience, I, I I apologize for saying this, but the the name of the song again is Every Girl, and the lyrics of of that song, uh, you know, goes. I wish I can fuck every girl in the world. Now, having said that, what role do you feel that today's hip-hop play in uh, human trafficking? Because when you see these girls dancing and all that stuff at these strip clubs, they are playing, unfortunately, that type of music. Well, I think when hip-hop first got started, I think the intent was good. I think the content was good. And I think that there were some controls over how far the artists could go to demean and degrade women. And then uh, when the corporate Klansmen got off into it, and then when they started controlling the big bucks, and when they saw the opportunity to use us against us, and have us start uh, bitching our own mamas and whoring our own sisters and doing all those other kinds of things that brought about disrespect and discontent in the black community, they formed something called gangster rap as far as I'm concerned, and then they used gangster rap to hijack hip-hop. And once they did that, the money switched from uh, hip-hop to gangster rap, and then a lot of brothers said, the heck with mama, and the heck with sister. I'm following the money, you know. And so that tore up the hearts of literally millions of mamas and millions of grandmamas who can't understand why their sons and grandsons are running around talking about, you know, females are bitches and whores, and they're not making a distinction. So they're including their mom and grandmama right into the message. Now, the thing is, I heard Reverend R.L. Sharpton say very correctly one day, when they go down to the Klansman's office to pick up their checks for singing those dirty songs, they don't go into the uh, office and tell that white secretary, bitch, I'm here to get my money. You know, they walk in there, and it's Miss So-and-so, how you doing, ma'am? And they get their money, and they walk out. So you see... All of that is a, is a part of a scheme, man, and a scam and a, and a ploy to set us back. Because, see, the man is no fool. Now, the man is very smart. And I ain't talking about all white folks. I'm talking about the corporate clansmen who are determined to keep black folks in their places, and he doesn't care whether we get PhDs or uh, EDDs or no other kind of Ds. His uh, master is to keep us under his control by whatever means necessary. Now, Willard Lynch taught him how to stop killing us because he was losing property. But he told him to use us against us, demean us and berate us and destroy us mentally, and he would have us under his control, and he wouldn't have to worry about it because we would keep each other down. Well, then... They were exactly right. So that's what's happening now with all of these things called gangster rap and, and rap and bad laws and et cetera. But let me go to church on you for just a second here. 
All right, good you know, going, Brother Leon. Hey, I think that God is just sick and tired of us. He made us the most intelligent specimen on the earth and put us in charge of the earth and gave us some of the most brilliant minds that anybody could ever imagine. We can put uh, satellites, you know, into space. You know, we can put a man on the moon. We can build uh, electronic devices like a cell phone where you can walk around talking stuff to anybody from anywhere. You know, we got a, a blog talk show here that you can walk around and talk on your telephone and listen to Lord and Miss Claudia, and don't, it doesn't make any difference where you are. Now, isn't man brilliant? But now, if he's yeah. so brilliant, why is he doing so many stupid things when it comes to the human society? And I think what God has done, I heard my grandmama talking about raising a hedge. God don't go out and find nobody to sock punishment to. But I think he gives us choices, and he, he put a hedge around us to protect us when we are morally uh, okay. But then when we get crazy, I think he raises his hedge and then AIDS and HIV and uh, all other kinds of uh, shrine, shrine flu and everything else can come in on us. And I think what he's doing is, I think he's looking us over and saying, now, how in the world could a uh, human being that I make so brilliant and I give such beautiful charges and I give so many things and stuff, how can they be so stupid? And I think men are making decisions now that are crazy like that Rhode Island situation, law that you talked about, and yeah. all of these attacks on President Obama and all these kinds of things. And it's being done because he's simply fed up with us. So if we want to go and self-destruct <laughs> and destroy ourselves, I think God is saying you all have the choices and you have the brilliance, so go and do what you want to do, and I'm going to sit back and see what you do. And until we read the signs, because he's sending storms and floods and 100-degree and weather for two weeks at a time in Texas, and, and just all kinds of signs that tells Leon, hey, man, I don't care how good you think you are. You better be better now. You better do a little bit better than you've been doing. Because God says he's tired of you and the rest of us. And so I can't understand why the rest of the people in this country can't get the same message. Reverend Farrakhan puts it out there very plain and clear. You know, Reverend uh, uh, Minister Farrakhan sent President Bush, and I hate to put that title president on, on Bush, but I guess I just have to go and do it anyhow because America was so dumbed down and ignorant until we elected him twice. So I guess okay, I have to just I wanna, give I want to ask a question before you but, go there. But, but Leon, anyhow. Leon. Yeah, go Leon, ahead. Can I interject yes, in for a second? I want yes, to ask this question because since you have talked about um, where you have been involved with the law enforcement and, you know, and this misconduct thing is going on with the police officers, do you think that, you know, some of those bad cops might be involved in on, you know, turning a blind eye and allowing uh uh, uh, human trafficking to happen, you know, where it can't really be treated and resolved properly? Well, it ain't no might be. 
uh, uh, laws can't be frequently violated without law enforcement turning a bad ear to it, you see. Law enforcement is a part of the corruption that happens in this nation. The legislators of this nation are a part of the bad laws and corruption that happens in this nation, Leon, you see. Yes, ma'am. Can, I, can I ask, how do you know that? I mean, you said that with conviction as facts. How do you know that? I know that because I was there for 27 years. And I know that because I I taught law enforcement, you know, to many police departments other than Dayton Police Department. When other officers were chasing traffic down the street, I was a conflict management detective that was going into Boston and Cambridge and Illinois and other places teaching police officers how to be conflict managers and crisis intervention more humanistic and, and but yet effective to get the job done. And I now, developed a, uh, uh, a concept that I've titled 60-20-20. And uh, that 60-20-20 concept represents the fact that about 60% of the police departments on every force that I've ever had any association with were God-fearing, good, dedicated men and women who you could just take to a police department, set them down, give them a car, and, and put them in contact with the community, and they could do the job themselves. They didn't need no chief nowhere to try to tell them what to do and when to do it. You got another huh. 20% that sits on a fence, and they watch very carefully what's the, the tone of the police department is, what the sense of morality in the police department is, what the the uh, uh, impact of the community on the police department is. And so they, if they are getting good supervision, good discipline. Okay, now you're getting ready to fade out again. Okay, okay. well, it's clear okay, on my we can end. hear you now. Okay, we can hear you now because okay. you started to fade okay. out. Okay, if they are getting good training, good discipline, um, good pre-interviews before they come on, you know, and that kind of thing. Well, then that 20 cent, too, will shape up, and they will join the other 60, and you got an 80% very strong police department. But I'm telling you, I would bet my whole career on, I would bet my retirement on the fact that there's about 20% of the police officers in every police department that is the drag on that police department. They they oh, do most boy. of the damage. They do most of the damage to citizens. They are dishonorable. They they steal property. They uh, violate people's rights. And the thing about it, any chief that is schooled and trained up through the history of that police department know exactly who they are. But I'm then sure. are they gotten rid of? Go ahead. Hold, hold on. Hold on. I think Brother Blondie has something to interject and say to you. Hold on. I mean, just, which which leads to this important question, uh, uh, Brother Leon. You you know, as far as you you know, a, a lot of uh, police uh, corruption. How much money do you feel that law enforcement is pocketing out of uh, the human trafficking business? Because keep in mind. According to Lardy Miss Clardy's data, it is a nine point five billion dollar a year business. 
Well, I don't have a clue as to how much uh, law enforcement would be getting from it. But see, it's not it's not all the time money, you know. If I am a running partner of yours, and if you are a legislator, and I am a police captain, and I can get you to coin something in a certain fashion that supports some kind of legislation I want to get through, or if I can summon you in front of the legislators, and if I can have you articulate a certain theory or concept to them to persuade them to either make a law or not make a law, well, then, you see, that's no money. That, that's just friendship and total commitment and buddyhood, you know. Others may sell for just a trip over to Thailand someplace where you can lay up with a 12-year-old girl who's a virgin, you see. Are you and if serious? I'm, and if I'm deviant enough to, to be that sick, well, then I'm glory in my spunk. I got it going on, you see. And these are legislators and all other kind of people that some reports have come out on, you see. So corruption and greed in this nation is just out of control. It's out of control. But the community, as I said earlier, has been dumbed down to the fact point that we don't know how to stand up and hold police departments accountable because they have kept us out of the loop. I mean, gee, I mean, well... Uh, can you open up? Well, well, yeah. yeah can I mean, you open up? Oh. Oh, well, I take it he, uh, he went off the air, Lardy Miss Clardy. No, I'm here. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the you, uh, you know, brother Leon, uh, I I appreciate you uh, uh, coming, uh, uh, you you know, giving us this uh, uh, knowledge and uh, uh, you you know because you know we we do need to uh, get this issue out. Uh, we here at Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show. You you know we expose you you know our specialty is doing shows on people who've been victims of fraud and you you, you know human trafficking is a very fraudulent uh, business that has uh, definitely got uh, our our attention. I first heard uh, Marlene Carson uh, last year on on uh, her story of human trafficking because she's been a victim of uh, human trafficking uh, her, herself, and, and you know, you, you know, you being very knowledge, knowledgeable on on the laws, and you you know you know the uh, ins and outs of of uh, you, you you know law enforcement. But uh, do you know any possible solutions? you know, to uh, end human trafficking? Because, you know, we can address the problem all all day long. But uh, give our listeners, you know, out there some solutions to uh, even prevent this type of thing from happening. Okay, it starts in the family. It starts in the family. A child has to have a safe and secure environment. They have to trust their mamas and their daddies and their, their uh, siblings to keep them safe and secure. 
if a child began to feel unsafe at home, then if they hit something that's rough on the outside, then they don't want to go back home because it's a tip for tat. If I'm misused at home, I'm misused in the street, right? And that certain amount of embarrassment comes once they don't listen at home and don't obey, and they go out in the street and they hit a tough one. Now they don't want to go back home because they don't want to face the fact that they was wrong. So parents, it begins with us. It's like Michael Jackson said. Every parent needs to look into a mirror somewhere in their house, and they need to look at that person that they see, and they need to ask that person, are you satisfied with yourself? Are you doing right by your children? Are you setting the right example by your children? Are you smoking marijuana up in here uh, and giving your contact high? You know, are you serving your children liquor, talking that old silly stuff about I'd rather for them to be drunk at home than to be drunk in the street? You see, that is stupidity. Mm-hmm. So many, so many parents are going through that. You know, you start smoking uh, marijuana and crack with your children and then you are, you are starting the problem. Uh, now, parents can come together, go to that mirror, look in the mirror, and declare, if I, got, if I have children in my house or grandchildren in my house, there are certain things I cannot do. There are certain things I cannot say. There are certain places I cannot go. And when those children see good examples, and then if they talk with these children, and I don't mean at them, I mean with them, and get the child's opinion, and then give them, uh, their child, alternative examples of what they ran into when they came through and what the society is like today. And if they don't know, connect with the minister, the policeman, the teacher, or somebody who knows, and then have that conversation with that child. Now, the second thing that we got to do, and we, we as parents are just totally negligent. We have failed our children. Now, I don't have no easy way to put it. Most communities, black communities, have too little social activity for their children. These children go to school, and they they play through all day. Some of them are smart, brilliant, taking care of serious business like that, 6% of the police officers. Some others are just getting by with what they can, but trying to get by, and some of them just don't give a damn, all right? So now, mm-hmm. once we turn those children loose from that schoolhouse at 3.30 in the evening or whatever it is, we need some structured social avenues for them to travel once they break away from that jungle called public school. And if they can go to a computer center or if they can go to a bowling alley for competition, if they can go to a skating rink, and that kind of thing, and all black communities have the resources to do it, but we're so darn greedy, we don't want to put that money out. We just want to buy a Lincoln and a Lexus and ride around looking stupid in the face while we think we got it going on and the whole community is crumbling around us, you see. So if we could just invest in our communities, develop some good outlets for our children, social activities too, every church in the community, should be open every Saturday night with a dance or some kind of social dinner or gathering for the children, you know, uh, hearts, uh, 
card games and all of those kind of things, where they walk out of their house and walk down to the corner because they got a church on every cotton-picking three corners in the black community, so the child wouldn't have to go far from home to be at a social gathering. And then lure those children then into church on Sunday and teach them some of what grandma and grandpa had, you see? Right, and, right. And uh, now you're hitting them from dual corners, you know, and then once we give them some outlets, they can get away from old Froggy over there or Bubba over there that's selling dope, you know, and all that kind of stuff and, and strong-arming them to make them carry a package, you know, around the corner to a car so that they get caught by the police if... Hello, are you there? Yes, ma'am, I'm here. Okay, now you was was going in and out again. Okay, well, we are failing our children, you see. Now, once we get off the parents, parents are going to have to look at agencies. What are they? What What were they designed to do? Right. Who's in charge of the agency, and what is... Oh boy, in charge, doing. Is he okay, doing now, what he's supposed to be doing to make it functional? Go ahead. Okay, now, Leon, I, I only got for one minute. I'm going to have to, like, go on to this break, and then we'll okay. go back. We'll come back to it. So keep me, uh, keep that keep that right there, okay? Don't go Solutions, I got you. Okay, right, the solutions. And we will be right back, right here on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show. Thank <laughs> you. 
like you know something. It costs me a bit of no answer, Master G. A fucking new car, this is the danger. When it sells off the reppin' ranger. How do you get a truck from a mess of mess? You didn't get your car, fat daddy. Just all you girls that want to join my tribe. Just move to the river and feel my vibe. Put up a fuss in the end, you'll agree. But when you come inside, you might see me. As I said before, you can take the danger. When you're stuck off the reppin' ranger. With silver and I, take a ride. Oh, you better step aside. All right, we are back right here on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show talking about human trafficking. And on top of it where, you know, there can be misconduct done with with certain police and police department that may, you know, have a blind eye and turn it back and pretend like it don't happen for various reasons. 
um, whether it is to get a, a, a vacation down to, I guess, money to be in their pockets or to pass a law legislation on something, favors for favor. And also, you know, we are uh, talking with a gentleman um, named Leon, who is from Tuskegee, Alabama, who is obviously very learned and educated man and with many years on the police force and have understanding about uh, what's going on in the grassroots of the community. And, uh, and he has shed so much light. And while I'm standing here or sitting here talking, I want to apologize for, again, with the invite of having Miss Marlene Carson, who is the founder of Rahab's, Rahab's uh, Hideaway here in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, she is sick. So, you know, there's not much that we can do about that. But definitely when we do get a hold of her, perhaps, you know, uh, at a later date that, you know, she will be well enough to come on to the show. And I do apologize for that. But in her place, we have Leon, Brother Leon right here in Tuskegee, Alabama, that is definitely giving us some run around the blocks and marathons across the nation on certain things that we need to know about. And we were now down at the end of the session, we were talking about solutions. And we are going to have him to talk about those solutions. But before we talk about those solutions, I want to send it back over here to Brother Blondie. Uh, there's some announcements to make. And, um, and let us know what was going on with the music there, Brother Blondie, to you. Once again, Lardy, Miss Clardy, in the honor of the 30th anniversary of rap music, we pay in tribute to the group that started it all, the Sugar Hill Gang. You just heard Apache, uh, one of their, uh, one of Sugar Hill Gang's uh, uh, met, uh, many hits. And, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, once again, we celebrating 30 years of hip hop, and this is Sugar Hill Gang Saturday night. But before we get to Brother Leon and human trafficking. Here in Columbus, Ohio, the Psi Eta Omega chapter of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated uh, brings you the 2009-2010 Botillion Program. The Botillion Program is for young African-American males who are juniors and seniors in high school. The goals of the program are to recognize the achievements of young African-American males as a community to inspire and stimulate further growth, academic excellence, community service learning, and leadership development, to enhance the sense of civic responsibility, and to promote higher education through scholarship opportunities. And if you want more information, please contact Ms. Africa Also at area code 614-751-9996. Again, that's area code 614-751-9996. Thank you, Brother Blondie. That's awesome. There you go for the announcements. And we got one more announcement here. And we're going to talk about uh, God's motivator, Coach Ken Woods. And he is um, 
wanting everyone to know that his friend and movie director screenplay of his first movie called Earshot is to be aired, I believe, on September 6, 2009 at the Fox Theater. And he has some information that on a press release. But when I pulled up the press release, uh, it sounds like we got another um, another motivational, inspirational letter here. And I want to read this. It says, expect to win. When you wake up every day to live and work with the mindset of expectation, you always win. The power of a made-up mind tells the universe that you believe what you expect and expect what you believe. What we think about is what we bring about. It is very important that you feed your mind with positive and pure thoughts on the road to success. You must let go negative people, negative energy, and above all, negative thinking. Never say you can't until you prove that you can't. Putting positive information in your mind will keep you thriving on a world of expectancy. True leaders never panic in the face of adversity. They plan. Circumstances are rulers of the weak, but instruments to the wise. You must rise above rejection, doubt, fear, and worry to obtain greatness. You have been designed for accomplishment. Expect to win, and you will. Always remember it happens when it happens, but it never will if you don't expect it. This is coming from Coach Ken Woods, called the Life Coach. He is God's motivator. And, you know, I like to read some of his work because he has inspired me to inspire you all out there, you know, no matter what you're going through, through your victimizations and your fraud, we are here to make sure that, you know, you get the uplift, solutions, inspiration, and courage to stand up, speak up, and speak out right here on the Lardy Miss Party Blog Talk Radio Show. I want to thank you, uh, Brother Leon you know, for, um, you know, expressing yourself in, in, in an area, you know, that is so vast, which we are talking about this human um, trafficking issue. Now, I think we have about 10 minutes that is left for you to be able to finish up the solutions on what people can do to help themselves. And one part of that that you were talking about, you know, about parents, you know, uh, that is the leader of the pack to be able to uh, be trusted and to allow their children to lean on them in time of trouble, but there must be trust. And I also want to interject in there, Brother Leon, is that, you know, we have these laws coming from, you know, uh, our legislators in the states that we live in that prohibits the parents, especially good parents, because nothing has been really demarcated on what's abuse and what's, you know, uh, training. You know what I mean? And there is a difference between abuse and training. And uh, and I feel as though those families that, that induce training for their children, uh, they are being affected badly because uh, with those laws, you know, and they have not demarcated the difference between 
discipline training slash training and the difference between abuse. And so I feel as though that, uh, you know, there should be, you know, a law to demarcate to help those healthy families that are 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 educated enough to raise their children with good sense and good training and discipline, um, that they should be given that right without, you know, all of the uh, additives and preservatives that get in the way of them not being able to do their jobs, which will help to stammer some of, you know, this human trafficking issue. Um, because without that, I do believe that Kids will take advantage, and also they feel they have an autonomy because if you do something to them, they're going to call children's services, you know, and and children's services, even though it's good for what they're good for because, you know, if they weren't, they wouldn't be here to help to guard, you know, from abuse. We're talking about the children. But nevertheless, uh, they have uh, been a – a an issue with some families or, you know, those that are trying to raise their children um, have gotten in a way where they are not able to uh, keep a rein on their children's behavior because kids, as I said before, take advantage. So, again, on your solutions to how a parent should handle a situation like this, whether, you know, there's laws that are, uh, that are in place to uh, to help those victims that are being um, led into uh, uh, sex slavery and human trafficking, but also for the parents that, you know, are really trying to do a job and a good job in raising their kids so that their kids won't get out there, how would they help to bring back uh, uh, children that, uh, took advantage of the law and said, look, you know, I want to do what I want to do, no matter if you did take me to church, no matter if you did do this and that, you know, I still want to do what I want to do, and, you know, and if you piss me off, I'm going to call children's services, and that's what it will be. What do you say about that? Well, in Dayton, Ohio, I had a mother who had a daughter who fit the description that you just talked about. And she she called and she got the right police officer because, see, I wasn't nothing but a patrolman then, but uh, uh, white police officers take care of their communities. I if you look right. at Volume Mine um, uh, situation, Colorado, if you look at Paducah, uh-huh. Kentucky, where a little mm-hmm. boy went in and shot up his students, you look at Jonesboro, Mississippi, where little boys were shooting little girls with yes. high-powered rifles, white folks came to grips and said, wow, that ain't supposed to happen here. White folk came together, they had some meetings, they diagnosed the situation, they isolated the symptoms, and they developed a solution for all the symptoms. And we haven't heard of no white kids going in shooting nobody in mass since that time because they take care of in their communities. A white police officer came to a house where a white man beat up a woman and you got little children there can't see straight and they are sitting in a corner scared the white police officer announced to that sucker that, look, don't you let me have to come back through here no more because he's not going to see no man trouble no whole family in his community. And some of the things that he will do to him is very unorthodox. So when I watched I decided I'm going to take care of my community the same way. So I went in the home one day, and the mother told me, say, uh, this girl is threatening me, you know. And I said, girl, are you threatening your mama? Yeah, I'm threatening that bitch. 
you know, she's trying to tell me what to do and what not to do. I'll, I'll, you just let her touch me. I said, i tell you what. Mama, what, what's happening? What do you want to do? You know, Mama said, Officer, I would really like to just whip her butt. I said, what would you do it with? And she said, well, I could, I could find some. I said, well, go get what you're going to uh, gonna whip her with. And so uh-huh. this girl is bustling all up and coming to attention, eyes getting all big, and she said, I bet you that be better not hit me because if she hit me as soon as you leave, I'm going to kill her. So I said, Mama, don't pay no attention to that. Go and get what you're going to do. So Mama went in the kitchen and got a slat out of the window, you know, came back in, okay. nice little slat, you know, about three feet, about two okay. feet and a half, I guess. And uh, I said, okay, girl, come over here and lay down on this couch so your mama can whip your butt. You know, you must be crazy. And I reached over and grabbed her and pulled over to the couch. And when she got to the couch, her legs kicked from under. And I turned her, twisted her around on the couch, and she was a good-sized girl. You know, and I put her head between my legs, down, of course, you know. And I grabbed her elbows, and I pulled them up. And I left that natural bones, a little pad there that God made to do this thing. Uh, and Mama wore her butt out. She whipped it until she got tired. Oh, uh, uh, as soon as he leaves, I'm going to kill your butt. She was muttering down there with her head on the couch. And when we got up, she was still acting huffy. And so I put the handcuffs on her then. And I took her down to juvenile detention and locked her up. You know? And so my so mom said, the, I said, are you so going to come down at 9 o'clock in the morning Leon? to see you about her? Ma'am? Leon? Yes, ma'am. Leon? Yes, so what ma'am. would be the solutions for all, uh, you know, when you've got, you know, um, uh, various of issues that get in the way that would be able to stop, you know, uh, 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 parents from being able to uh, set the rules so and, and to raise us since you're saying that everything starts at home, uh, what would you be able to say to the people, you know, in, in, in about five minutes if you can? Um, okay, well, I'm how, telling you a solution right the, now. Black cop taking a black community situation, very serious, bonding with the mama, bringing some serious discipline because that mother had no more problems. When that girl got out of jail, that mother had no more problems because I went back about every two and a half weeks to check on them, see how they was doing. So you did a follow-up. That's what's needed. So what I'm telling you is the the community has got to understand that there should not be a divide divide between the police department and the community. You've got to be in touch with your police officers, and they got to care about but you see, so many parents blame the police. If you bring my child home, I blame you. You must be picking on my child. That child gets the impression he can play one against the other, and there is no control anymore. So that's a solution. Right. Okay. No divide between police and community. They must function as one. The police is a part of the community, ought to be, instead of a part from it. But the community have to demand that from the city councils right on down to the police chief, right on down to the lowest level uh, police officer, you know, I mean uh, citizen. And so that's a solution. Um, Let me see another solution. Town hall meetings to come to grips with what the state of the community is. 
we are right. here intelligent people with PhDs and masters talking about this community is terrible. Well, then it's terrible because you're not doing a darn thing about it. And, and I know to your audience I sound angry, but I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed and such right. intelligent and, and that's being okay. so gone stupid, you know. Right. And so but town we, hall meetings could bring us together, identify community problems, then we could use all the talent and all of the expertise in our community to define what, it, what the symptoms are of all the problems causing the drive-by shootings and the massive drug dealings and school problems and turnout and all of those kinds of things. And then we could establish community committee. What you call it again? One at a time. What did you call it? Something you just said. What community? Committee? We could establish community committees. You know, we choose somebody who's an expert in uh, one area, and that person go do it. If you got a contracting thing, you choose the major contract in the community. He head up that committee. If you've got school discipline, then not the principal, but the most capable person in that school would head up that committee. And then you would have a management crew throughout your community, you see. We've just got to come to grips with people and know that we've got to learn what our problems is. Most of us already know, but I don't mean just the surface problem. I mean the the extent of the problem. We've got to isolate the symptoms of the problems in our community, and then we've got to work as a, a unified community to address solutions to each one of those symptoms. And it won't be a short-term result. We could solve some things short Oh, right. And uh, one, more, one more quick question, uh, uh, Leon. And uh, this, the, this involves Dayton because you, cause you said you in Dayton law enforcement. Uh, this, yes. past April, this past April 25th marked the 10-year anniversary of the death of recording artist Roger Troutman. Uh, when he was right. shot and killed by his own brother, which was a murder-suicide. And for years, Dayton res- residents have said that it was more to it. Uh, get, g- give me your quick uh, input on what was your reaction when you first uh, caught that case. Disappointment and disbelief and, and hurt, I would imagine, as, as much as a family member because those guys had it going on, and they represented some beautiful opportunity for this world, for themselves, as well as other youth to be able to enjoy them and the community to be able to enjoy their music for many years to come, just like James Brett. Okay. Well, we want to thank you very, very much for your, for all of your valuable information and also your comments and also sitting in and communicating with us on this subject. And um, I am going to bring up that next week we're going to have a subject dealing with police misconduct, okay? And I would like you to come on this because this is a different subject now. We're going to talk about police misconduct because it's right here in Columbus, Ohio, too, and the NAACP is involved in on this. So we would like to have you on the show for next week, which is Saturday at 6 p.m. at the top of the hour, and we will have one hour to talk about that, and then we will also be bringing on to this show uh, Mr. Kofke, who is going to be talking about some um, how how to 
how to have how to get away from those uh, that want to take advantage of you financially. I'll talk about it at, um, at the time of the show, of course, and he will start at seven o'clock. So I want to say to you, uh, Brother Leon, thank you so much for sitting in and communicating with us on this subject. And um, I'm going to have to go because there's, we only have a few minutes that's left. But definitely I will be in contact with you. And you have a Can wonderful Can I say one other thing? Day. Sure, say that one other thing. Go right I on. Want, I want daddies and granddaddies and stepdaddies to stop using their daughters as their women and their wives because they uh, are part of the major problem in our community. And I thank you so very much. You're welcome, and definitely thank you for that, too. And because you said something about that, I guess we can come up with another subject or another another subject about that. So definitely we will be talking where I am going to be able to uh, to talk with you about that. But at this point, definitely um, thank you very much for your time, okay? Back to you. Uh, this is Brother Blondie uh, telling everybody thank you for tuning in to the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk uh, Radio Show. We'll be coming back at you uh, next week at uh, 6 p.m. As uh, on our music next week, we will be paying tribute to Michael Jackson as we will be celebrating what would have been his 51st birthday. This is Brother Blondie saying good night, everybody. All right, and we are going to be playing Sugar Hill Gang on Rapper's Delight. Everybody have a great evening right here. Come back on the Lardy Miss Party Blog Talk Radio Show. Until then, stand up, speak up, and speak out.
buddy, this way you're stuck in the dude, man. She is just a dude, a man who got the next. And it's old man, a coffee church, maybe able to fire all through the night. But can he rock a party to the early night? He can't satisfy you with his little worm. But I can bust you out with my super sperm. I go do it, I go do it, I go do it, do it, do it. And I'm here, and I'm there. I'm Big Bang Hank, I'm everywhere. I just throw your hands up in the air and party party like you just don't care. Let's do it. But don't stop, y'all. I take a shot, y'all. You know, stop. I go hotel, hotel. And what you gonna do today? Because I'm gonna get a fly girl, I'm gonna get some.